I so appreciated Shannon's uh, children's sermon a moment ago. It reminded me of a thought I had when I saw a caterpillar lately. I didn't uh, speak to the caterpillar. That would be weird, but I did have uh, I did have this thought. I literally, when I saw this little fella crawling across the ground, I thought, you have no idea of what's coming. I thought if you could only know that soon you are going to be having to crawl across the ground in danger of careless, being stepped on by careless humans. If you could only know that one day soon you're going to soar. What a beautiful picture of this transformation of which we speak. Today in our study of the good and beautiful God, we come to that theme that God transforms. In our ministers' staff meeting every Tuesday, we pray for our guests, those who have been kind enough to give us their names. We name their names and we pray the same prayer every Tuesday, which includes this line, By the power of your Spirit, bless us with increasing numbers of transformed lives and baptismal waters that are often stirred. Bless us with increasing numbers of transformed lives. That's a reminder of the business we are in at FBC Huntsville. You know, we do a lot of good things. We, we build stuff. We build good stuff. But we're not in the construction business. We teach. We teach a lot of things. But we're not in the educational building business. We, we have fun together. Lots of our activities planned out, have a good time and enjoy each other, but we're not in the entertainment business. We, at least I hope, we do inspire people, but we're not in the motivational business. We are in the life transformation business. Our goal by the power of God's Spirit is changed lives. But that's a, that's a really popular phrase. I googled, we change lives, and I found that there are lots of people who claim to do so. I found an auto financing company, a dentist office, a kitchen supply company, a nutrition company, a greeting card company, and a whole lot more who say, we change lives. And I'm sure to some degree that's true, and I'm sure that if you're auto financing, if you, you can find a, a better way to finance your auto, that will change your life. Or if you get a good smile, that will change your life. But I'm, I'm talking about more than a better rate on your insurance and, and a better looking smile. I'm talking about genuine, bona fide, real life, spiritual transformation. As I would describe in these words, number one, it is eternal. It, we're talking about a difference in where someone will spend forever. It is eternal. It is radical. Jesus spoke of something so dramatic, I would have called it the new birth. It is radical. We're talking about people getting their hope back, about pe people getting their futures back. We're talking about people who are addicted finding freedom. We're talking about uh, people who are hopeless finding real hope. We're, this is radical change, not just kind of change. It is eternal. eternal. It is radical. Uh, it, is, it is teleological, meaning it, it's a heart change. It's about who we are, not just about 
surface things, not just about the way people perceive us, not just a change in our reputation, or not just a change in our habits, but a heart change. It is eternal, it is radical, it is ontological, it is surrender. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a new way of thinking about things. In fact, the word repentance in the New Testament is the word metanoia, which means a change in thinking. It's a new thinking about morality, a new thinking about our priorities. It's a new thinking about our identities. Radical, this change I'm talking about is is cardiological and it's cerebral. It is undeniable, but never total. It is undeniable. People know it when someone has experienced this transformation, but it's never total. There's always a part of us, a little part of our heart or a part of our mind that is still always in need of transformation. It is undeniable, but never uh, total. It is sustainable, but never final. Meaning it lasts. This is not a flash in the pan kind of change. This is something that lasts, but it's never final. If you are experiencing life transformation, you will be experiencing that until your last breath. It is sustainable. It's not just one and done. It lasts for a lifetime, but it's never, it's never final. I'm talking about real life, genuine, bona fide spiritual transformation. So how does one experience this transformation? Well, it begins, it begins with conversion. It begins with an experience, again, so dramatic, so beautiful. Jesus called it, said it's like being born a second time. It begins with a, with a conversion that for some people is... It's immediate. You know, there are people who can say, I can tell you now, the t- I can tell, tell you the time, I can take you to the place where I was saved. There are a lot of people, for whom it is a once and a, this is like a, an event. But then there are others for whom it is a process. It, it, it takes a while. It, it lasts, you know, over, over weeks or months or maybe years to the point that they become followers of Jesus, but whether it's an event or a process, it always begins with a decision to believe in and surrender to and follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus with all that we have and all that we are, to believe in him so deeply that it changes us, to surrender to him, not just not just to give a nod to him, but to surrender our wills to his plan. And to follow him, to follow his example in the Bible, and to follow his promptings in our spirit. This transformation of which we speak this morning is, begins with a conversion experience, whether it's a process or an event. But it doesn't end there. In fact, that's only the beginning. The process continues with the practice of spiritual disciplines. By spiritual disciplines, I'm talking about a commitment to Bible study in, in groups and privately. I'm talking about fellowship or relationships with other believers, intentional relationships. I'm talking about fasting. For many of us, that's a very helpful practice to go for a week, maybe skipping lunch, or to go for 24 hours just drinking Gatorade or juice and solitude, being alone. Worship, corporate worship, worshiping together as we're doing now is those spiritual disciplines facilitate the work of God's Spirit in us. Let's be real clear. We cannot will our own transformation. That is a miracle that the Spirit of God works in us. 
but we have to participate with him. It's like electricity at my house. I cannot just will that there be electricity. Uh, but I can go to Huntsville Utilities, and I can sign up, and when the bill comes, I can pay it, or Carrie can pay it, to be honest, that's the way it works in our house. We, I can, if there's a, there's a tree in my yard that needs to get a little bit of lines, I can call somebody to come trim them, and I can flip the switch when it's dark. I cannot will there to be electricity, but I can get hooked up, and I can participate with Huntsville Utilities in providing electricity at my house. It's, it's like the old joke about the, the guy who bought the, the uh, treadmill. He saw an ad that said a treadmill can get you in shape, so he bought him one. Took him back months later. Returned him, wanted his money back. He said, it doesn't work. He said, I'm in worse shape than I was when I bought it. Well, he said, let's see, let, let's see about it. So she plugged it in and turned it on, and he asked, what was that noise? He had to get it and turn it on all the time. And he's been throwing his clothes on it like some of you are on your treadmills. Treadmills don't work unless you work them. A guy named Francis Chan said, the person who buys a treadmill and doesn't use it and expects to get in shape is like the person who prays, God, change me and then doesn't participate with God in the practice of spiritual disciplines like fasting for some of us, like intentional relationships with followers of Jesus, a commitment to prayer, I mean a, a, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of being in Bible study and, and studying the Bible alone, and, and the commitment to corporate worship. So I want to put aside just for a second if you guys can give me this camera right here. I want to speak to our friends who are watching by TV and uh, online. Some of you are not in corporate worship for a really good reason. You're being careful. You're making the decision to, to, to lay back because being in large crowds is just not comfortable. And I applaud that. I, I, I support that. And I don't blame you at all. During the pandemic, you're making a good choice. But this pandemic ain't going to last forever. And let's be honest, some of y'all are getting kind of accustomed to this. I know! When we were shut down, we would pre-record the service during the week. And so on Sundays, I'd sleep late till I'd unwatch myself dance in my pajamas. I know what it's like! In fact, I kind of enjoy that better at home in my pajamas than up there. I know what it's like! But the pandemic ain't going to run last forever. And the Bible says in Hebrews 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So if your, your mobility allows it, if you can get around, if your schedule allows it, then when the pandemic passes, you need to be, you need to practice the discipline of being back in worship with your fellow believers. If you're on the margins, I'm just sending a warning, please. We, we need you, you need us. If you're a member of this church, then when the pandemic passes, we need you back here. Okay, let me step off that soapbox and let's move on. So this transformation, which is genuine, it begins with a conversion experience, this change in our hearts that God's Spirit works when we believe in Jesus and we are surrendered to Jesus and when we follow Jesus. But it doesn't end there. That's only the beginning. It continues as we participate with him by 
by practicing spiritual disciplines. But this change that we're talking about is de- described in the Bible as uncovering and discovering the image of God that is in every person. Spiritual transformation is described in the Bible as the uncovering and discovering of the image of God which is in every person. A moment ago you heard Sam read from Colossians 3 verse 10, put on the new self, that's metamorphosis, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are being transformed into his image. To understand that, we need to go back to the beginning of history, to Genesis 1. Verse 27 reads, So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Which means that everyone breathing the air of planet Earth bears the imprint, the hint of our Creator. Now let me be careful, we're not little gods. But we bear the the imprint of God on our lives. There are hints of His creativity. There are hints of His nature. Hints of His character. Hints of His love for people. We all bear those hints of our Creator. When I look into your eyes, when I look deep into your eyes, I see the image of God Himself. We all bear the imprint of our Creator. It's just sometimes hard to see. There's a castle, the Serza Castle, in Milan, in northern Italy, where not long ago, under when it was being reconstructed or, or renovated, workers found a mural by Leonardo da Vinci. A mural of, uh, on a wall from floor to ceiling of trees that formed a canopy or a pergola. These, well, it's a da Vinci. People haven't seen that for years, though, because it was under, they're guessing, 20 layers of whitewash. Some knucklehead somewhere decided to whitewash over a da Vinci. So now the workers are meticulously uncovering the image of the painted by the master. The image of God is all, it, it, we all bear His image. It's just been covered up over the years by layer upon layer of bad decisions. Transformation is discovering and uncovering the image of God that every one of us bears. Let's take another piece of art. Now I'm not, I'm I'm a simpleton when it comes to art, I confess. I love what Joanne Bug is doing, others are doing with our heartfelt expressions at, at Little Mill. I'm so proud of that first expression of church there. I just don't know much about art. But I did read about a painting by an Italian named Gianpetro Campagna. It's a beautiful painting. It hangs in the Louvre. It's got to be good, right? I'm, I'm sure it's beautiful. But he painted it over 
an ancient Roman fresco that is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. They discovered that with the same kind of technology that they use at the airport when TSA asks you to stand in, in that bubble and put your, put your feet here and, and do this. It's the same technology. Underneath this beautiful painting is something of even greater value. See, I don't want anyone to misunderstand. I'm not saying that people without Jesus live awful lives and that those ugly lives are ugly. I'm not saying that at all. There are people without Jesus who live beautiful, wonderful lives. Loving people, contributing to the world. There are lots of people. I know, and you do too, lots of people who don't know Jesus who live beautiful lives. It's just that there is such potential. There is just such potential for life that never ends and life that is at its life at its best that but is yet to be discovered. We all bear we all bear the image of God, hints of his nature and his character, hints of his creativity, hints of his love for the world. The imprint of the Creator is on us all. And the Bible describes spiritual transformation as the discovery and uncovery of those hints of our Creator, of our Father. When I was in high school, Sam Thompson was uh, one of my teachers. He taught me Spanish, and he taught road choir, and he, he directed some of the musical plays that I was in. So Sam got to know our family really well. And one day at school, out of the blue, Sam Thompson said, You remind me more and more of your father every day. Well, I went home that night. I called my dad in the room. We sat on my bed. I said, Dad, today Sam Thompson said that I remind him more of you every day. And I'm proud of that. My dad started crying and I started crying. And it was a whole thing that it was... I was, I was glad that as I matured, that I looked more and more like my father. Now you've seen those commercials, right? The progressive insurance commercials that say, we can't keep you from turning into your parents. So you know, there are those stodgy, you know, old-fashioned things that maybe we don't want to turn into. But when we have a wonderful father and a wonderful mother to become more like the image of your parents to resemble them more carefully. What a great thing that is. Spiritual transformation is simply becoming more like our Father. It's like having the imprint of our Father become more obvious as we, as we mature, as we, as we transform. I want still to tell you this last story because you may have heard it before. Uh, David Allen, my predecessor, and I read the same book, so uh, he may have told you this. And I, but I thought, what a shame to miss out. I, I just love this story, and even if you've heard it before, I, I, I hope it's meaningful to you. This, so Fred Craddock, um, one of the heroes of some of us ministers, Fred Craddock in the 1950s and his wife, the late Fred Craddock, he and his wife were in a diner in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, having breakfast. They noticed 
an elderly, stately, impressive man going table to table, greeting people, chatting with people. But Clark admitted later when he wrote about it, he said, I, I was really not wanting to be bothered. In fact, he said to his wife, I hope he doesn't come over here. But he did. He had some rather fun, found out what they did for a living. When he found out that Fred Craddock uh, teaches at a seminary, taught at a seminary, he said, well, I've got a story for you. And he pulled up a chair uninvited, and he told the story. <clears throat> he said, you see that mountain over there? He pointed out the window of the diner toward Newport, Tennessee. He said, not far from the base of that mountain, a boy was born to an unwed mother. A boy was born to a mother who was not married. And he was hard on that boy growing up because everywhere he went, people stared. In the street they stared. In the stores they stared. At school they stared. And Craddock realized this man was talking about himself. The family stranger said, when I went into town with my mother, I could see people staring at me, making guesses as to who was my father. At school, the children said ugly things to me, and so I stayed to myself during recess, and I ate lunch alone. A new preacher came to their church, and one Sunday morning, the little boy was trying to hurry out of the worship service, but he got caught in the line at the door, and he felt a hand on his shoulder, and he turned around, it was the new minister. And the new minister kind of looked him, looked at him up and down, looked him over. I knew what he was doing, the stranger said. He was trying to guess who my father was. Sure enough, a few awkward moment, moments later, the minister said, Why, boy, you're a child of... And he paused. And the man said, I knew what was about to happen. He was going to embarrass me, and I'd already decided I was never going back to that church again. Why, boy, you're a child of... Pastor paused. Why, boy, you're a child of God. I see a striking resemblance. And he slapped him on the back and said, Now go, go claim your inheritance. I left the building a different person, the stranger said. In fact, that was really the beginning of my life. When the friendly stranger had left and the waitress came by, Fred Craddock asked the waitress, Who was that? <laughs> Everybody knows him, she said. That's Ben Hooper, the former governor of Tennessee. And his story is told by the writer book title, The Boy uh, Nobody Wanted. More than likely, you will live up to or down to the way you see yourself. 
I'd liken you and live up to and down to your identity. So what I'm about to say is really important. You are not shackled to your past. You are not defined by your regrets. You are not bound by your history. You're a child of God. I see a striking resemblance. Now go live like it. That is genuine, bona fide, spiritual transformation.